What is up, people? And thank you guys for listening into this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. It is our in, our college basketball season preview episode show. It's also a breaking news red alert show because we're recording this podcast just hours after Minnesota's Tim Wolves all-star Jimmy Butler was shipped out. He's going to the Philadelphia 76ers, so we'll have our takes on that along with a bunch of stuff regarding college basketball. It's premier week this week. We had a bunch of games already uh, in the books. More games underway as the college season gets underway. Of course, you guys know that's Kendall's bread and butter. Speaking of Kendall Stewart, uh, we got a special treat today because he is in studio to do this show with me. Kendall, it's good to have you here. Uh, what What brings you home here? Yeah, man. You like Brock Lesnar? You have a certain amount of dates you have to do, and so <laughs> you had a you had a you had a you had a mandated date you had to make. So that's why you showed up here randomly. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but college basketball is underway. I am in studio. Um, very interesting week because college basketball uh, kind of very it came quicker, I think, than it normally does for me. Uh, I think I had been more, like, I think because the NBA has become such a focus, like, I kind of been more, like, the this, the week coming in, the week leading up to the, the weeks leading up to that Duke-Kentucky game and that opening night in college basketball, it went by faster because I've been so focused on the NBA. That's why I was going to say, I think and, that's why. And, and the NFL also, college football, but particularly the NBA night in, night out. Like, you don't think so much of, about, like, oh, man, when does the college basketball season start? It kind of just happens, and you're like, oh, we're here. And remember, the NBA season now, second in a row, starting early. Yeah. So before, NBA season and college basketball almost kind of melded right into each other, whereas, like, one week of college, yeah. NBA basketball and then college basketball. So, but now we have, like, a month of the NBA. We've seen a lot so of you're NBA not, basketball. You're not, you're not really worried about basketball in yeah in your in, life. In early November. Exactly. You know, like, I've been watching basketball for three weeks now. Like, before it was... That time in late October, you're kind of like itching for something. You're like, I want some college basketball, NBA, something. I need some kind of round ball, dude. Give me some kind of. And hoops. honestly, sadly enough, there's no more uh, college basketball video games. So, oh man, you know, I had, had, to, bring I had to bring it up. I had to bring that up, man. Just, I'm already excited to do the show, and now you just brought the mood down. Because of We're that, two minutes know, in, and the, and the mood's already been soured. Back hopefully, in the day, we hopefully speak. nobody turns off this podcast and is like, decides to, you know. Um, Decided to go pick it somewhere outside of Ed O'Bannon's house. Yeah. <laughs> for ruining college, college sports fans for college sports video games. Headquarters. But, yeah, because of that, like, you're not playing the game and saying to yourself, now I want to watch the games. Now it's kind of, college football's kind of become the same way, where it kind of just happens. It just shows up. But, uh, but nevertheless, I'm, I'm here, and I'm very excited to talk about what I think will be a very exciting college basketball season. Yeah, it's, it is kind of crazy how... It's like, I mean, it's no one's fault other than, like, the guys who wanted to be compensated for being on video games. So I can't even blame the NCAA for this. But, like, it is kind of crazy how, like, the popularity of, like, college sports was, like, helped so much by those video games. Like, I don't think they even understand. Like, the knowledge people had of every team and, like, the excitement around all these places. Not just, you know, know, outside of campus, but on campus. Kids playing, wanting to play with the school that they're at, like. Like, it's not just like it's, I'll, it's I can crazy to me like like they can't somehow do something you say to that, figure this out and it's not it's not also not a coincidence and it's not this isn't just something that is contained to just college sports like it's not a coincidence that 
by far the best sports video game is you know, for a lot in a lot of people's mind at least the most popular is NBA 2K. Yeah. And the more popular sport in that for that generation of the people that play NBA 2K is the NBA and is rapidly is rapidly becoming the NBA world at least nationwide. Exactly. And certainly worldwide. And worldwide was the second most popular worldwide probably the most popular game is FIFA. Yeah. And might be the best sports video game. I mean MLB The Show is also a very good game, but nobody <laughs> baseball. Not, not anybody. Yeah, people we don't play. People don't like playing baseball games in general. But yeah. um, sad because the show is awesome. Yeah, it's, an, it's a great game. But like NBA Two K is the most widely played game in America. Definitely sports video game. FIFA is the most widely played sports video game worldwide, probably. And those two sports are the sports that globally are growing the most. Exactly. Madden has dipped in quality. One many will say in the last decade. And it's no coincidence that NFL, you know, ratings and uh, the reception has been down the last decade. So uh, video games are very, very instrumental in these sports, uh, in the popularity of these sports overall. No question. Yeah, the impact of video games cannot be overstated in uh, how it affects the popularity of these sports. Let's uh, get to the first topic of the day. And like we said, you know, this is a college basketball preview show, but... We have a lot to talk about with this Jimmy Butler thing that just went down a couple hours ago. So, as I said on the top of the show, Philadelphia 76ers, Kendall, decided to go all in on this season. They acquired Minnesota Timberwolves all-star Jimmy Butler in a blockbuster trade. The Sixers also get 2017 first-round pick uh, Justin Patton, who I think has kind of become a forgotten man. Yeah. That was your guy coming out. That was right? my guy, and I'm going to talk about him in a second. Yeah. But uh, uh, he's going – it's funny. He's now been traded twice with Jimmy Butler. <laughs> <laughs> he's also in that Chicago trade. Yeah. Also, which I want to talk about later in this uh, segment. But um, so Butler, Patton, they go to the Sixers. Patton's also injured. He like broke his foot, so he's he not even. His, yeah, he hasn't played one second game second game in a row. He's second year in a row. He's had a foot injury. He's only played one NBA game his entire career. Uh, in return, the T Bulls will receive Robert Covington, Dario Saric, Jared Bayless, and a 2022 second round pick. Kendall, I want you to grade the trade for the Sixers, and does this make Philly the team to beat in the East? Well, I, I I challenge one thing that you said, EJ. Okay. You said that Philly decided to go all in this season with this move. And the reason why I question that sentiment is something that I... goes back to something I said a while back. Okay. In the offseason. Okay. Something that I... Bold prediction, not a bold, a bold statement that I made that that we talked about quite a bit on this show, which is that the Sixers, I said, needed to trade Marco Fultz to be competitive. If they, if they wanted to be competitive this season on a championship level, they needed to trade Marco Fultz. Okay. Well, in this trade, they went out. I, I said, I think Jimmy Butler might have been one of the guys that I mentioned you could have gone out and gotten. Kawhi Leonard was the main guy that I mentioned. You trade Marco Fultz to get that guy. But... They got Jimmy Butler, so they got the all-star player. DeMar DeRozan was also a player I mentioned trying to get. And so they got that all-star player, but instead of trading Markov Fultz, they decided to move Covington and Sarge. I feel like that is it's a half measure if you're trying to win now because you're trading your two best role players outside of 
J.J. Redick. You can argue that those guys are better than J.J. Redick. But you two, two of your Definitely key Definitely two of the top three role yeah. players on the team. You know, these are two of the top five players on the squad. Yeah. You just got rid of to get, bring in Jimmy Butler. You have to give up something to get something. But I, you can probably make a case that they could have traded Markel Fultz. Kept one. And kept least. one. At least, maybe, who knows, they could have kept both. Contractually, I don't know if yeah, they could have matched the, the contract. I don't know if J.J. Redick. Again, you still would have had to give somebody. But I would have felt a lot better about this trade if they traded Covington and Fultz or Sarich and Fultz for Jimmy Butler and maybe got back more from Philly or got back more from Minnesota, like picks or another prospect or something along those lines, as opposed to trading both those guys. Now, I don't know. I still don't know if Jimmy Butler is enough for them to win the Eastern Conference. I mean, is, is it a, is, does it make them better? I think so. I think it shores up a lot of patches on the roster that I'll talk about real quick. But I don't know if – I think if you keep Sarge and you keep Covington or you keep one of those guys, yeah. plus you bring in Jimmy Butler, the whole of Louis Markel Fultz is not – you wouldn't feel. They went all year without him last year. They, they, he, died, he had a month, you know, half a month at the end of the year where he dabbled in playing pretty decently, and then they couldn't play him in the playoffs because he, he couldn't shoot. I don't – he looks virtually the same player he was last year at the end of the year this season. His jump shot is still very erratic, and I don't know if he's going to be able to help them this year in the playoffs. I mean, hopefully you, you hope his confidence will go up. You hope his jump shot will improve, but his jump shot hasn't been – Virtually any better than it was last year. So, at least last year at the end of the season. So, ultimately, I don't know if Marco Fultz is a guy that helps them to win now. Now, obviously, you can say this isn't a win now move. This is a move that we're trying to compete for years to come, and we think Marco Fultz could be a franchise player. I mean, look, good for you if you think Marco Fultz could be a franchise player. I, I just wouldn't, I'm not willing to bet money on that at this point. I'm not willing to bet my franchises short-term upside on Marco Fultz becoming an all-star? I guess the question, though, becomes, is it worth is it worth giving up on Fultz so early just to keep a Covington or Sarge? That's, I think that's right, what that's, they, that's, that's what, what they, they weighed, clearly. And but, they weighed, they felt like, assuming this is what, right, right, right. what under your scenario, that would have been weighed, and they clearly thought, and that's Sarge why I and, say and the other guy are replaceable. We that's can, why we can't I say replace that, someone with Marco Fultz's ability. That's why I say maybe they try. Maybe Brand Elton Brand tried to get something else from Minnesota, but I would have said, all right, if I'm going to give you Fultz, I need Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones is kind of the guy I was thinking of. Josh Okogi. I need some asset in return that kind of lessens that blow of long term. I mean, look, Landry Shamit right now for Philly has been just as good as Marco Fultz has been. I mean, I don't, I don't think he had the upside that Fultz presented in college, but um, I don't feel like if they lose Fultz, like their future is gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's a blow that you draft that guy number one, and then he's a kind of a throw-in. But you're getting Jimmy Butler, right? So like, it's not as if they're dumping Marco Fultz. You're trading him for Jimmy Butler. Um, but now I look at this team now, and look. Jimmy Butler, he shores up a lot of the problem. The problem that I had with this team last year, why I said they would not be competitive in the playoffs, was that they had no fourth. Their fourth quarter offense was going to be atrocious in the playoffs, and that's what happened. It You're was right. atrocious against Boston. They didn't know how to close out games. They choked away leads. Um, 
and they didn't have a guy in the fourth quarter that could be a go-to guy. The closest thing they had was Joel Embiid, and he's inefficient with the way he plays, and he was out of shape and low. He had low stamina late in games. Now you bring in Jimmy Butler. Now you have a guy that's a closer that can hit big shots, that is a tough shot maker, isolation player. There are there are only those guys don't grow on trees. That's why Danny Ainge made it clear that that's why he made the deal to get Kyrie Irving. Yeah. He said the thing that we that the Celtics lacked in the years prior was a fourth quarter closer shot maker in the isolation. You know they did that all season. Brought in Jason Tatum, brought in Kyrie Irving. It wasn't a coincidence. And Philly, that's something that they've lacked. Jimmy Butler is one of those guys. Those yeah. guys don't grow on trees. They didn't have that guy on the roster now. Now they do. And the only downside is I just worry about the potential for a personality clash. Embiid is an interesting personality. I think him and Jimmy Butler will get along fine because I think they're really? wired very similarly. I think they will they will appreciate each other and both guys' uh, intensity. I worry about Simmons and Fultz. The reason I worry about Simmons and Fultz, EJ, where did Jimmy Butler just come from? He yeah, so. And he played with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. And honestly, I think Simmons and Fultz, they, they mirror Wiggins and Towns fairly similarly. In personality? Uh, in personality. I mean, Towns and Simmons, Simmons is a little different, but they're both kind of Hollywood, you know, stats guys that never look like they're trying super hard. They're just super talented, but never look like they're giving, like, 110%. Yeah. Um, they can kind of just walk and give you 20 and 10. And, I mean, Fultz has a whole different issue than Wiggins, but both guys are also kind of underachievers from what their talent should be. pick underachievers, yeah. And Jimmy Butler is a no-nonsense guy. As we've seen. Yeah, as we've seen. Ben Simmons hasn't played with that guy ever. Yeah. But certainly in the NBA, and certainly since he's been on the court, now you're playing with a guy that isn't going to, I would imagine, isn't going to take not shoot, passing up wide-open threes because <laughs> you're worried about what you'll look like or you're worried about your field goal percentage or whatever Ben Simmons is worried about. Or Marco Fultz airballing free throws. I don't know if Jimmy Butler's going to deal with that. Yeah, he's not the kind of guy that's going to put you around, put his arm around yeah, and say, I, hey, it'll be okay, little buddy. So if, <laughs> I don't think Jimmy Butler's that guy. So if I'm if I'm a Philly fan, I'm sure they weighed this, but I that's that would be my concern, is that those guys, especially Fultz, I don't know if they match personalities with Jimmy Butler. Now, I'm sure Brett Brown will sit down and talk to Jimmy Butler about, hey, these guys are wired a certain way. We know you're eccentric. Just try and teach these guys stuff, but also be cognizant of the way these guys learn uh, and the way these guys are wired from a psychological perspective. But that would be my concern with this Philly team. But on paper, it makes sense. I'm just not upset because I'm a Celtics fan. I don't care. But if I were a Philly fan, I would just be upset about losing both Sarge and Covington because I think it kind of kind of cut your nose to spite your face. Look, um, on the Covington-Sarge thing, I get it. Um, that is something – I think that that's something that honestly is probably a little bit more of a concern to me than even the personality clash stuff initially. 
because when I look at this roster now with Philly, and I'll preface it by answering my question and saying that I like this gamble by them. But I know I'm starting a little negative, but I actually do like the gamble. But in terms of just addressing Covington and Sarge's departures, the one thing that concerns me now is this is a team that really lacks shooting um, outside of J.J. Redick. Say what you want about, you know, I've had my wars with Philly fans over <laughs> Robert Covington more than I would like to say that I have. Uh, but Robert Covington is a bona fide shooter. He can be very streaky. He can go run very hot and very cold. But, I mean, the guy can shoot. And when he's really hot, he makes Philly a great team. Uh, Sarge, for some reason, wasn't shooting the ball well this year. But last year, he improved incredibly well from three. And he became a reliable three-point shooter. So, when you have a guy like Simmons who won't shoot outside the paint, and you have a guy like Fultz, you, it benefited having an Embiid who could stretch at the five, having Sarge who stretched at the four, and having Covington who was just a, just a sniper. All he did was shoot threes. And J.J. Redick. So you lose two of those guys. You replace him with Jimmy Butler, who's not a bad shooter. He can make threes, but he's not a three-point shooter. He's not a guy I look at and say, oh, I'm, he can help stretch the floor for uh, for Ben Simmons. Space floor, Teams yeah, aren't yeah. space aren't aren't saying, oh, we gotta we can't help off Jimmy Butler because of Simmons' drives. Like we gotta just let Simmons go. Like they're gonna no, they're gonna help off, and Jimmy's gonna have to make a lot more spot-up threes than he's had to make maybe in his entire career. So. Again, it's not, it's not, he's not a bad shooter, so it's not like he can't do it, but that's not really his game. So that's a little bit of a weird quirk. I've heard a lot of people saying, now is the time for Philly to go and get Kyle Korver. I think that that is a move they have to do. That's the best shooter that's probably going to be available that they could get, that could get for very cheap. So if I was them, I think that would be my next move. They, to me, they hadn't done it yet. They should have done it now, five minutes ago, ten minutes ago. They need to get another shooter. So that's a... a, a a fit thing that I think they're going to have to work out. But, like you said, I do like this gamble because this team couldn't realistically get out of the East with how they were constituted. No. Um, Boston's having some issues. They may have to move guys to figure out what how that's going to work. But in the end, Boston would have beat Philly, regardless of who's on the roster by the time we get to the playoffs. Toronto would have crushed Kit Philly if they played them in the playoffs right now. Crushed them. So, that's not, so those are two teams that... I don't think they really are in their league. And to me, Milwaukee is proving to be an elite team in the East. I still think Indiana will be a tough matchup for Philly before this trade. So Philly was kind of sitting around after being kind of just handed the number two spot after what happened with LeBron and everything. And people just assumed, okay, well, it's Philly's turn now. And then we kind of came into this year. It's only been a month in, but it's like, uh, is Philly a top four team in the East? You know, it was a real question, you know. So this was a, because of that. I think that you can't just stay stagnant. You gotta try to give you a shot to. If you have a any chance of winning a championship, you gotta try to give yourself a real chance. So I'm fine with them doing the trade, even though the fit is a little weird. They're gonna have to do some other moves, I think, to make it all work. I think in gar- in regards to the personality thing, I'll be honest. I I would be a little. I'm not as concerned on it. Like the stuff you said about Fultz and Simmons, I agree with. I don't disagree. Um, that is concerning. But I'm actually more, still more concerned about him and Embiid than I am about those two guys. Because, and we talked about this before, Embiid has made it very clear and very known that he wants to be the alpha male of the roster, of that team. He reminds me very much of Shaq, like a young Shaq. Where Shaq, when he was in Orlando, and especially when he first got to L.A., he made it very much about how he is the man. And Jimmy Butler has made it very clear <laughs> that wherever he's going... 
he is the man. He ran Derrick Rose out of town. Um, he Dwayne Wade came on. He's like, look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Dwayne Wade came number two in Chicago. They shipped him out of Chicago. He came in, and we saw what he did to them guys in Minnesota. So I think that the potential clash I see happening is between him and Embiid. If Embiid's not getting enough touches on one night, uh, if you know Butler doesn't like the kind of shots he's getting because he sees what Embiid is doing, that would be my concern more because I think I'm more concerned about the guys that want it maybe too much than a guy maybe railroading other guys who don't really want it that much. That would concern me more. I feel like that has a chance to be more explosive. Um, it is combustible. It's more combustible. Now, you can argue that, like, Kobe and Shaq made it work. And there are other instances where stars made it work, even during those situations. And it could be great. But it, it could also be, like, a nightmare. It like, could be Jason Kidd, Jim Jackson, and Jamal Masper. Right. You know, it could just blow up in a way where you can't even function. And Jimmy Butler has shown that he could blow up a team like that. I don't know if we knew before this year that he was that kind of and character. Also, but also, now, like, to me, everything's on the table in terms of what Jimmy Butler is as a teammate. He, he could, he could be, to me, if he becomes T.O. in Philly, that wouldn't surprise me. Now, I'm sure they, they thought about that. And what's good is that he is on a one-year deal. It is. I think that's so, part like, of the reason why they, they're, they're going for this specific you know, guy. Some people will say, like, oh, now he's a flight risk. Sure, he's a flight risk. But also, from Philly's perspective, you're not locked in if it doesn't work out. And he's not the kind of guy that is, he's a great player. But Philly's Philly's window, in theory, as long as everybody stays healthy, is like five years. They so they, they lose Jimmy. They Butler. lose him. They could still and their window doesn't change. Yeah, now they're just putting more pressure on Simmons and MB to become MVP players, which MB is that, that, that now. Yeah, that was the that was the expectation before they got before they got. Butler, it was, we need these guys to become MVP caliber players to compete for a championship. Right. Now you have Butler, you may not need those guys to be MVP caliber players to, still to compete. compete for a championship. But yeah. if Butler leaves, now it's just back to square one. We Which they'd guys. be a year advanced, a year of experience, yeah, a yeah. year of training. It would be more Maybe they are that next year, and it so doesn't matter. It's low risk for Philly in that perspective. And, and kept Fultz, so like that, that theory, that wonder that, oh, if I trade Fultz, he becomes an all-star guard. Now you don't have that because he's yeah. still under contract. You, you know, still you lose Covington and Sarge, but honestly, you get out of the Covington contract. You get out of Sarge's deal, and now you have money to spend on free agents if Butler ends up leaving. Yeah. You know, like Reddick, who I think Reddick's on a one-year deal. So I, there's, there's upside to the deal for Philly, low risk, but I agree. I don't think that this makes them a top two or three team in the in the You don't think this East. makes them a top two. Still, you still think that No, I think Boston and Toronto. Yeah, I think those two teams are well ahead of like long term. I mean Boston right now is struggling. I mean right. they're seven and five. Uh they have a ways to go. Hayward has has a tough time. It's having a tough time this season. I'm telling you man, I told Browns you this last I told you this last year they should have traded Hay- Hayward in the offseason. Yeah, I, I mean, know it would look. You can't, Danny Ainge would have looked like a complete snake, but yeah, that's what they yeah, should do. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. There's, I mean, I that look, plus looking at him play and what's happened. I mean, that's that, that plus, was the obvious move. I mean, Brad Stevens is a smart guy, so maybe he would have been like, "Yeah, you're right." But also, Brad Stevens he loves is Gordon. yeah, he's right. the most valuable asset in the franchise, right? And so, I mean, <laughs> it, it, you know, you got to keep him happy as well, right? Which so if you trade his. Little brother, basically, yeah. Gordon Hayward is that would 
that would be uh that'd be tough. But yeah, I mean, it's an awkward fit. There's a roster shakeup that has to happen there, and they have the assets to do it. I mean. Yeah. I feel like by the trade like, line, they, may the look, guy. they may look like a great team. Yeah. I'm not even sure if it's a guy they had to get. That's the thing. It's just the combination of players is weird. Because like, the guy has change. always been Anthony Davis, but one, I don't think we have enough. Because hey. Anthony Davis isn't yeah. on the market. Like, yeah. I mean, in theory, we'd have more than anyone else, but like the Pelicans aren't trading him for whatever we have, unless yeah. it's Jason Tatum. So, like, but like beyond Anthony Davis, I mean, I would. I'm more open now than I ever have been to trading Jalen Brown. I love Jalen Brown. But I just think his fit on this team is awkward. Uh, I think that if you're trading Jalen Brown, though. And Rozier, I'm ve- I would I would be in favor of trading it. I mean, I, I I would not trade. I would mean, I would no, I would trade Gordon Hayward. I, I'm not but sure. But what can you but even now, get from I don't Gordon think Hayward. you can get anything. But see, that's he, why I think Danny messed up. He's, low key. He, he saw Gordon Hayward working out. He knew what he was going to get this year. He should have seen that and been like, I need to get this guy out now. He's making $100 million. Yeah, low-key, this guy making 30-something million. Right, like, you can't afford to, like. a bad contract. Yeah, you can't afford to play around with that kind of money and be like, oh, he's a good feel-good story, and I don't want to. No, this is, you You traded Isaiah Thomas for a broken hip. You you can't mess around with this now. With a guy on, he he had, oh, he was on a, on a one-year deal, and you traded that guy with a broken hip. Yeah. This guy, you signed for $100-something million, and you, you keeping him around knowing that he's still. 60% of the player he was? Yeah. Like, and look, I, I say that saying, like, I, anybody who knows me, you know, I've been a huge Gordon Hayward fan back at Butler. So I right. love Gordon Hayward's game, love his career and how he's come up. So it's nothing against Gordon Hayward when I say that. I'm yeah. just talking about the situation as it's played out. Yeah. That was the obvious move to me. And as, I was shocked that Danny didn't do it. Has Hayward hurt the team? I would say he has. Um, it's not as if he's been selfish, but he just needs shots. He's only he needs to get points. his timing back, and that's going to yeah. take a long time. And, you know, defensively, he's taking a step back because he's not as nimble. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not, he's not as comfortable, I think, in his body as he was before uh, in his leg. But I, it's it's tough because at this point, like you said, what are you getting back for Gordon Hayward? Um, yeah, Danny misplayed his hand with that to me. You have Terry Rozier, who's on a one-year deal, who reportedly wants out and or wants to trade. And now at this point, what can you get for Rozier? I I said, remember the guy I was saying in the offseason, I was like, we got to trade Rozier now, man. Yeah. I was like, his value will never, never be, be higher. Time. Yeah. Going into a contract year, we got like five teams in the league that need point guards. Yeah. Find one of them and get a, get a first-round pick. Yeah, for I don't know why he hasn't. He should be calling Phoenix every day. <laughs> he should be just texting them, Yo, I'd be like, yo, give them. me Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson's averaging seven points. He's clearly a bust. Give him Josh Jackson. You can have Rozier. Yeah, just be give me Josh Jackson. Trade. I could just make him, put him in another trade even. Like, they honestly, don't really yeah. need him. We don't like, need Josh Jackson. But, but we can do honestly, a three-team trade or something. Like, But, yeah, like, Phoenix desperately needs a point guard. Yo, Brad Stevens would make Josh Jackson a baller. I can tell you that much. Yeah, but the last thing you need. Yeah, Josh Jackson. last thing you need is another six, seven. Another guy. wing. I know. The last. You guys got like, like 10 of those guys. Because now Smart would be like, he would be a real point guard. And then you put Josh Jackson at the two with Jalen Brown. I mean, we have a million wings. but You can't do that again. It's just like, yeah, this team's a mess. But it, like you, you said, just, what they need to do, they can. They need to consolidate all these, like, good to average players into another all-star big. It's not Anthony Davis because... But to me, I don't even know if you need to do that. If I was Boston, I don't like... Like, obviously, that would be the the goal. But, like, my thing is, if you can't do that, then you just might might need to change the furniture. Like, you know, it might not just be, oh, we need to package these guys into a superstar. It might just be, oh, let's trade... 
one of these wings for like a decent big man. Like it might not, it might look lateral, but it will make more sense for the roster. Like trading right. Jalen Brown for, I can't think of the guy who would be right now. Um, you wouldn't do this, but trading him for like John Collins, something like that, where it's like <laughs> John Collins. Like um, I, he's a I don't know why he's, I couldn't think of another young big man, and he was the first guy I came to mind. You know, Bam Adebayo. or Bam Adebayo. There you go. That's a good one. Um, still wouldn't do it, but. But, like, that kind of trade where, like, okay, well, okay, we lost, obviously, a guy who's very good, but, like, now we have depth at the front court. And with another really good young guy. Or Rozier for Bam or Rozier for... Right, yeah, they just need to change. The furniture is, is, is they're too heavy-handed with wings and little guards. So they need to get, trade some of those guys into power forwards and centers. And they have the pieces. They can get a lot of good players for the guys they have. I just hope that... You know, I think they're gonna try to wait this out as long as they can, but I think eventually Honestly, that's the gonna problem is. And people, you know, they they look at Danny Ainge, they think he's like just a complete, you know, a psychopath snake that like has no emotion. We make these trades. Yeah, everybody loves it and he, like he's once, a robot. He, once he crossed it, that that turned a lot of people. Up. I don't think he wanted to trade. I mean, he did, but I don't think he wanted to. I think he liked that they Thomas. I think he did too. Yeah, I don't think he wanted to cross him, but and also I think there was. I think he weighed Isaiah Thomas's personality. He was like, I don't know if it's worth keeping, but mm-hmm. like, I I think I think he's he, I think he really does like the players that he has on this team, you know, because Danny Ainge has a system that he he has of bringing in these guys and drafting these players. Yeah, he he goes he's very calculated in their yeah. mental makeup, and he's yeah. drafted Rozier when nobody thought he was he should be drafted as high as he was at fifteen. Drafted Brown when no one thought he should be drafted in the top three. Drafted Smart when people thought he was a psychopath in college. Yeah. Um, like, he doesn't want to let go of any of these guys. Obviously, drafted Tatum. Uh, and then Hayward's the guy. I mean, he just, he just, that was like his only, besides Horford, his only major free agent signing. But like Hayward's, om- Hayward's like almost like those guys, though, because Hayward um, played in Utah. He has, he has great ties to that state. Yeah, um, he has great ties to the coach. Like he's almost like those other guys to them, right? Right. You know, so he almost fits in that same bill. So like he really doesn't want to trade any of these guys. He's grown attached to a lot of these players. He loves Terry Rozier. I mean, the, the running I'm, joke has always been, oh, he didn't, he doesn't want to trade Terry Rozier for like. A I mean, great to be player. honest, like I, I can understand that. Like Terry Rozier to me, like he's a very interesting. He's like he to me, he's almost like the point guard version of like John Starks. Like if he was a Nick. Like right, I would right. who wouldn't love a guy like that? Yeah. Who's like guy just gives it his all all the time. Confidence, Irrational yeah. confidence, but he can have explosive nights, um, plays hard, unfearless. Like that's the kind of guy any team would want. You know? So I can get why he would love him too. He drafted the guy. Uh but quickly, when Terry Rozier averaging seven points and once out and he's on a contract year, you gotta get rid of You gotta get rid of him as soon as you can you because the, the the value's tanking. Um, quickly though on the Philly thing, it is interesting that we look at this trade. You know, the word was that Thibodeau decided that after this five-game losing streak, where Butler was acting a fool basically yeah. <laughs> every night, they were asking him questions. He was just walling. Um, he decided that the situation became untenable. Now he decided. <laughs> Man, I can go. We can go. If we talked about Thibodeau and how he handled this, this would take a year. So I, I, I understand. Yes, that's ridiculous. How he just learned this yesterday but this is what happened apparently um but anyway so he learned it was untenable and he realized he had to move on with gene butler and he actually decided apparently according to rose that 
after the last game that G Butler played his last game as a T Wolf. That like he didn't know what the deals were out there, but he was gonna get traded. This guy's a clown. <laughs> this guy's a clown. <laughs> but again, we could talk about Thibodeau forever. That'll be maybe for another day. But what's interesting, if you look at this trade, they, they return Sarich, uh, Covington, Covington Bayless. Bayless, and a second-round pick. Remember Chicago's return, Kendall? They oh, yeah. got Laurie Markkinen. They got Zach Levine. They got Chris Dunn. They got three lottery picks. They got two guys that I think are going to be all-stars. Yeah. They got Chris Dunn, who may be a starting point guard. Oof, we... We all owe Gar Foreman an apology. <laughs> with that. I mean, he got crushed for that trade. And look at what, a, a year later, look at what Thibodeau got in return for the same guy he traded. traded now, for. I'll be, I'll, to be fair. All right, be fair. Uh, I'm, to ready be to fair I'm, I'm ready to jump on because I'm ready to fight this. You can, also, you can argue that this, that Tom Thibodeau put himself in this position. Right. But. In the the circumstances under which Jimmy Butler were traded was traded were very different. Obviously, Jimmy Butler is on a one year deal now, and he d- publicly demanded a trade, and has publicly, like you said, made a fool of himself, uh, or made a fool of the organization. Yeah, I don't think he's made a, made a fool of himself. He's made a fool made of the team. Made a fool of the organization. Made a, fool, fool. Made, made a fool of Andrew Wiggins and Cat. <laughs> exactly. Made a fool about everybody else now except for him. So, like, that is a lot different than you just saying, I don't know if this is ever going to work with Jimmy Butler, so let's dump him uh, on draft night. So that that would be my only thing, is that clearly his value was a lot higher when he got traded in Chicago, when he got traded to Minnesota than when he got traded from Minnesota. Um, Minnesota, they, they reportedly they were asking for a lot, initially at least. They, that's what the, that was the word. I mean, they say that, but then, was a report. Then, but then I keep seeing reports like, oh, like today, Thibodeau realized Philly was the option once Josh Richardson came off the board for Miami. I'm like, I thought y'all were asking for a lot. What do you mean? <laughs> you, Josh Richardson came off the board, now you couldn't make a trade? That was, he was the guy you were holding out for? And I love Josh Richardson. But that doesn't, I hear you're asking for a lot. I'm thinking you want a star in return or yeah. a really high-end young player. I see that this is the deal you got, and the other deal that you didn't make Miami was because they didn't include Josh Richardson. Honestly, none of these makes deals. me not know, understand what you were doing. All these deals have been trash. Everyone that I've heard that like has realistically been offered. I mean, the the Houston trade of four Terrible. late first round picks. I don't want fool's that. gold. Yeah, yeah fool's you, gold. Yeah. Um, that one's like you just gotta hope there's a lot of injuries and things fall apart in Houston. Like yeah, the first two. Miami, the first two picks, that's not going to be anything. Miami telling you we'll give you Bam or Josh Richardson does does nothing for him. Yeah, um, it's just been it's just been a lot of. I mean, they they asked for Chris Middleton from Milwaukee. Milwaukee's like nah. I'm like, and I mean, I wouldn't do it. It's but I mean that's Milwaukee. but to me like that is the kind of guy you should be asking for. Yeah, like that would be the bar. That would be like oh if we can't get Chris Middleton, man, why are we even trading this guy? But you have to trade him. But it's like, man, we messed up. Yeah, we really messed up. Yeah. <laughs> we messed up, man. We can't get Chris Middleton. Like, this For, guy's not yeah, an all-star. Basically straight up. You know, <laughs> yeah, straight up. Like, he's making a lot of money. So it's not like that's a... He's on a win-year deal, um, which is also why it's strange that Milwaukee wouldn't do it. But I think Milwaukee really... One, I mean, he's played Middleton great Middleton is great. Yeah. He, also. They that, made the right decision. Yeah. He's played excellent this year. But, like, um, I think they feel like that's the kind of guy they can re-sign long-term. Do they want to re-sign him long-term? You're gonna have to, but 
I think they should. I think Middleton's evolved. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be skeptical about giving him a max deal. But like we've seen, though, Kendall. We gotta get the college basketball soon. But we've seen when you got a new coach, a real coach, them guys look a lot better than they did on their Jason Kidd, <laughs> Joe Prunty, and Prunty. I mean. Middleton is looking like a guy who could very well be an all star this yeah, year. He's gonna make all three. Eric Bledsoe just outplayed Steph Curry a couple nights ago. <laughs> this, stuff, this stuff, <laughs> this stuff, doesn't happen under Jason Kidd. This stuff happens under great coaches, which is why Budenholzer was a guy that I kept saying, you kept saying, like this is the coach that these teams need to go after. Whatever, don't yeah. don't think of whatever happened in Atlanta last year. Just scratch that out your memory. That has no, that has nothing to yeah, do. They were openly with his tanking. ability. They were openly tanking. And that was not anything to do with him as a coach. And now you're seeing him in Milwaukee with real talent because he now has real talent. And it shows, like, man, I saw I saw somebody say that, well, I've been saying, not a lot of people, a lot of people have been saying that Jason Kidd could possibly be the guy that replaces Luke Walton. You look at me crazy. People you are saying seen? that? Yeah. Kendall, you, I'm surprised you missed the NBA Twitter. NBA, you haven't heard this? I, that I, Mark honestly, Jackson or Jason Kidd? I, I, I Honestly, I, I, I wanted to ask you about this. Like, who are the names? Because everybody was saying, Those like, are the two names. Like, Luke Walton is, is, is like, I mean, he'll He's probably be fired time. by, like, next week. Right. That's <laughs> that the, would probably be a topic for next week. That's a theory. That Luke Walton would be fired. Like, who are the names that people think are going to replace Those were the two names that were like, coming immediately out. Immediately? Or... These are, like, reports. It's not like, right. like NBA Twitter just throwing names out right. there. Like, Jason, they said names to watch, Jason Kidd and Mark Jackson. Or is, is is the theory that this is next is like in the all season or no like, that they would replace them it, this year? Yo, that would be a story, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, if Matt Johnson hired Jason Kidd, I I think if I'm Genie Buston, I'm, I'm doing a Phil Jackson with Dolan. I'm just firing. I'm firing my yeah. Magic will be a Kobe. Like Magic, you're done. You got LeBron here. He's on four years. He can't leave. Kobe, I know you're doing your own stuff, but like <laughs> this is your job now. Like, cause you, yo, Jason Kidd, you can't hire Jason. Kidd. I know Magic loves Jason Kidd. But you can't hide that. Him. Yo, that would be insane. LeBron's smarter than that too. LeBron wouldn't let that happen. I don't think. I would hope so. Now, Mark Le- Jackson. But LeBron is weird because like LeBron likes his friends and he likes Jason Kidd. He yeah, played, he played Jason, with Jason Kidd, Kidd. Team USA. Yeah. Won a gold medal. Yeah. And he's weird like that with people he you likes. J.R. Smith. <laughs> you know, like right. He, J- LeBron's he smart likes, enough. If he likes you, he feels yeah. like he can. He knows your strength and he can like work around your weakness. Right. He's like, <laughs> I want to. I mean, LeBron. He likes people he can trust. Now, yeah. the problem is he cannot trust Jason Kidd. Yeah, just like he, he doesn't know that yet because no, everyone thinks they can trust Jason Kidd until they learn that they can't yeah. very quickly. So that's the issue. That lo- that Laker thing, man. I mean, it's a shame. I know we got to talk about the college basketball. <laughs> yes, we do. We're at 40, two minutes. Minute yeah, two minutes going to Lakers. Like, Luke Walton, man. Like, I, I, I said before the year, like, this team was not going to start the year off well. Cause yeah. Le- no LeBron team has ever done it. And this is the worst LeBron team has ever been assembled on any of those new LeBron teams. Sure. So it it was always going to be a train wreck early on, and LeBron's older now. Clearly, the expectations were a lot higher in LA from the internal perspective. But I mean, we're talking about firing Luke Walton now. Yeah, it's like and look, shout out to Spike Gaskin. Uh, I, I never thought I'd bring up his name on a podcast about Jimmy Butler and not be about Jimmy Butler. But he said it best, and I've seen other people kind of echo the same kind of sentiments. It's really crazy to be talking about firing any coach when your GM just brought in Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, Javel McGee, and, those and Rajon the, Rondo. The off-season and, and, home runs. and threw them in there with your other young guys and said, make it work. Yeah. Like, and that's that's a real challenge. And you didn't I don't make care if you have LeBron push. James. Look, 
people can say what they want in the in the you can say what you want, but it's obvious they didn't make a real push to get Paul George. They didn't no. they didn't make obviously didn't make a real push to get Kawhi Leonard. They're Did not they? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. They're not trying to win now. If you were trying to win now, you would have traded Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart or Kuzma for Kawhi Leonard. Whether or not that would have been a good move or not, I don't know. But if you don't do that trade, it's similar to the, it's similar to the Sixers' logic that you're not truly trying to win immediately. But my thing is, what well, I think your Sixers' logic was a lot of people may, if they hear this podcast, may think that it's all a little crazy. But I actually think that you make a point where, like, yes, you're trying to win now, but you're you're doing half measures by doing it because Fultz is a guy that does not fit in your team right now, so therefore he's the one that really should be going if it's about winning this year. Um, but with Magic, I think it's different. I'm not gonna say he's delusional, because I don't. I don't. I need a lesser word. Whatever's lesser than delusional, I think. But I do think he actually did believe that only only getting LeBron and getting those other guys was enough. Because remember, if you ever heard any Magic conversation or Magic interview or Magic documentary, his mantra his entire life since growing up in East Lansing, Michigan, has been give me the bum on the street, give me uh uh the girl, the 13 year old girl that had a little game. Give me the 50-year-old dude at the park, and I'm going to win. He's always had that mindset that it doesn't matter who's around him. He's going to make everybody else better. And I think he thinks that not only with the coaching staff, not only um, with his front office, but I also think he thinks he looks at LeBron in that same way. Right. Where he's like, I got me. I got that guy. Give me anybody else that just can do anything. And we're going to get it done. So the fact that they're not getting it done from his mindset, just of how he's grown up and how he's lived yeah, his life, must be something wrong that's unacceptable. Yeah, He's got to understand, I think, again, like we, you, you agree, didn't put his coach in the best standpoint in terms of trying to win now with how he put the roster together. Now, I think they still might end up being pretty good this year. It's I, yeah, still I don't very, think they won't make the very, very yeah, early. I think they, they could still make it. And I think, look, long term, I mean, LeBron's not getting any younger, but Next year, I think the Lakers will be. They're gonna uh, be. A, they should be a, champion, a championship. Yeah, contender. you see the way Kuzman and Ingram, how much better they are this year. I, Even I don't know. Losses, they look much better than they did I, last year. I think. I mean, my my theory is they're gonna end up with Durant or Kawhi Leonard or Clay Thompson. But they're not getting Clay Thompson. I don't. I don't know if they're gonna get Clay Thompson. The, every but, indication is that he's resigning. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like you think they Honestly, say that until the guy goes. I think is gonna be Durant, but. You think Durant's gonna be a Laker? Is that your prediction right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, was, oh, I, I don't feel, it, I don't feel as strong as I did about LeBron being a Laker at this time. Yeah, you were one hundred percent. Yeah, about LeBron. but like, cause there's no, yeah, there's no like Space Jam. Yeah, there's no Space Jam that makes it obvious. There's yeah. no Warner Brothers contract. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that Le- LeBron, that Durant's gonna be a Laker. Um, but at the same time, like I just know that La- the Lakers will make a move. Durant can't do that, man. I'm sorry. I don't want to get on the right tangent, but he can't do that. That would be. He, I can't see him doing that. I'm sorry. Oh, he's absolutely going to the Lakers next year. I, now I'm saying he's absolutely going to the Lakers, but he, he also went that. to the Warriors, so I can, he can do whatever he wants. But wants. like, look at Nothing how, he look, at, look at how it's that. pained him for making that decision, and now he goes to play with LeBron. He's not going to do that twice. He's not going to go through what he went through twice. It's clearly bothered him. 
It's as much as, when you keep saying it doesn't bother me, I don't care what people think. That means you care what people think and it's bothering you. But this, I don't this think is pe- I don't me. think he ain't gonna go through that twice. But I don't think NBA Twitter. Oh, there there are some people that hate Durant that will hate Durant regardless of what he does. Yeah, they still hate him. Or I don't know if NBA Twitter is gonna. I don't think he'll get more hate for going to the Lakers. No, he will. I think I, I think he'll get just as much hate. I think they'll look at him and be like, "This guy." Is there are not, too many people on NBA Twitter that are Lakers fans, especially now that LeBron's on the Lakers. So now you're gonna get all the LeBron. Yeah, but they're killing LeBron. You're gonna get all the LeBron supporters that are gonna now gonna be like, "Yeah, I'm Team Durant too." But Kendall, you gotta see that the Laker fan, as we've learned, is fair weather. People don't understand that. Exactly. You're, you're right. That if they, they jump, but like they, they, they already before LeBron stepped on the court, they're like, "Yo, if you ain't." Putting Kobe numbers up on day one, you're done. Well, and that's exact, basically what's been happening. Exactly. They've been booing him and stuff and, and trashing him on Kevin Twitter. If Kevin Durant teams up with LeBron James at both these guys' stages of where they are now, that that's the most fair weather you can be in the NBA. But I'm just saying that I, that's think, like I think that the Lakers fans team. have shown, though, that you got to show it to them. It's not, they're not going to give you anything. Yes, they're going to they're gonna be excited and they're going to pay the money to see. They're gonna, there's going to be excitement around the Staples Center. But in regards to giving you that respect... They don't just give it up like that. I think Durant. That's bought, what's learned. The only the only tangible thing that I have on why he might go to L.A. is because I think he bought a house in L.A. Uh, everybody has a house in L.A. Everyone got a, yeah. Anthony Davis, Kevin Love. Bought, we all thought he was gonna be like because he had a house there. Yeah. Does Boogie Cousins have one? Hey, Boogie Cousins is a free agent. Maybe. Well, I, we thought he was going there this year, yeah. and since he went. He he did the unthinkable. Um, I, I think we've done enough NBA. Yes. But the NBA is crazy, man. I, like, the today, like, it's just, like, one of those days that reminds me, like, man, like, the NBA is the social media sport. Yeah. Because, like, NBA Twitter, when things are hot, it is just in fuego. And seeing the reactions to this trade today and just how it, what it means for the East. Uh, oh, I didn't even ask a question about what I think of, where does that leave Philly? I, I think, I do think the Butler trade leaves Philly. I think right now we have a three-team top of the East. I think that Philly right now, I would say, the fit is weird, and I got to see them work it out, and I think there are more trades to be had. But I think come playoff time, we're going to be saying Philly, Boston, or Toronto can come out of the East legitimately. And the Warriors are a monster. But I, I think that none of these teams are getting swept by the Warriors. None of them. If either of these teams get out, they're getting at least a game. This is not going to be what we saw last year in Cleveland or even two years ago. I I think these teams are more competitive built. I think than Toronto Cleveland. can get swept by the Warriors. I'll be honest. No, I think I think Philly. Them. I think Philly definitely can get swept by the Warriors. No, I don't see either of those. Philly, the Warriors, the Warriors have a tough Toronto, time. Toronto, I think the Warriors have a tough time with Embiid. That's not they don't have anybody can guard him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's gonna matter. The Warriors are so explosive, man. I don't know. Look, the Warriors matter. are the Warriors, dude. Like we, it's tough to look at the Warriors and, in the regular and season. Like losing someone like Covington defensively on someone like Durant is bad, but. I mean, who's guarding Steph, man? Who's guarding Ben Simmons? Draymond Green, Durant. Durant can't guard Draymond, Draymond Green. And honestly, he can't guard him and Jimmy Butler. Ben Simmons. We put Al Horford. We hit Al Horford on Ben Simmons last year. He couldn't do jack because he was scared to shoot. Yeah. A good coach in a good scheme in the playoff. That's look. I mean, we can get we can go on for twenty minutes right. about how Ben Simmons is an extremely flawed player that will never be a top ten guy until he can learn to shoot. But like. He's the last guy I'm worried about in Philly in the playoffs. It's about Embiid and Butler, and they've got someone that can guard Butler, and then Embiid just got to deal with. But 
the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors are broken. It's a whole other conversation. But <laughs> I think that none Toronto, of them gets swept. I think Kawhi Toronto, Leonard could get them a game. He, I, I'm sorry, I Kawhi, think, Kawhi Leonard I think got San Antonio a game before he got hurt. Yeah, you know, and yeah, he got a, them three quarters of a game. Yeah, he got them three quarters of a game by himself. You know, like so, Toronto could probably get a game because Kawhi Leonard's so great. I'm telling you, I think that Toronto is Kawhi Leonard should get more MVP talk. Is that, serious, honestly. absolutely. I think you know he's kind of people talking about Steph and Giannis. Just and, the way they change that roster, I can't speak enough about. I'm, I, it's right. it's great. It's, <laughs> I don't, I'm trying not to be braggadocious about that. Right, man. But, like, I can't remember the last time I've been so right about something. Yeah. And I know it's still very early, but, like, yeah, you're right, I, man. I was like, this is a trade that has to happen, and this is the only chance Toronto has of really getting out of these. And they will look totally different if they made this trade. And it's 100% true, and it's not an indictment on DeRozan at all. But Yeah, DeRozan's played excellent in He's San been Antonio. great in San Antonio, and I, I still think he's a very good player. Yeah. But... Just the makeup and the athleticism and just how Kawhi and Danny Green change that team and how they look. And you get rid of Pirtle and you get rid of DeMar DeRozan, two guys who are defensive minuses. It's just a totally different team. You had two great defensive players who are also great offensive players, especially in, in Kawhi Leonard's thing. You got DeRozan, a great offensive player, but kind of limited. And Pirtle, very good offensive player, but bad defensively. They got rid of. They lost two good players, but they got guys who made more sense for what they were doing. Which is why I go back to Boston, where it's like sometimes it's just the the combination of guys. Boston, when they had those injuries, actually still had a great combination of guys that made sense. That's why they were able to go far. Now adding more guys who play the same position messes up everything. So Toronto, I think, has the right combination of guys, which is why I think that they're still very dangerous. And yeah. I, I would love to see them play the Warriors. I think that it would not be the walk in the park. Yeah, you're. Uh... Your giddiness about your 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 Toronto hot take is how I feel about uh my 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 Luka Doncic joint, you know, going back to like a year and a half ago when I was like yeah Luka because Luka's I was yeah, like, he's yo this kid Luka Doncic is gonna be uh be nice <laughs> and look man for the longest time there was a lot of skepticism you know in the NBA in the in NBA circles about you know oh this guy gonna be able to do what he was doing in Europe. And this guy, and look, I'll be 100%. I mean, I was very high on Doncic when he was, you know, 17 years old playing in Europe. But he's even better than I thought he would be this early on. Yeah, he is better than I thought. I mean, he's putting up like, I mean, I told told our brother Henry before the season that I was like, he's going to be a borderline all-star candidate, which is pretty much what he is at this point. But like, I mean, he's putting up 20, I mean, he's like LeBron when he was a rookie and Jordan and I mean Tyree Devins also, but like you know, so you always <laughs> you have to throw that out. There. Really got, can't forget the great <laughs> Reek Tyree like, Devins. He's putting up numbers that guys don't normally put up at, at as rookies, especially at his age. So just gotta throw that out there as well. 